Hello and happy Thursday, everybody. It's Josh here with On The Wrong Lead. Joined as usual, Mr. Andrew Champagne, for another episode of Drank and Champagne. Um, Andrew, um, you know, little production meeting uh, here during the show. Um, you know, I've I've kind of wanted to really focus on doing more evergreen content just in general with, with on the wrong lead right you know we do our live streams and, and we do this and we talk about sequences and stuff like that and you know sometimes you know like as soon as the sequence is over you know some of that stuff is basically useless um so you know i've really really wanted to focus on on evergreen stuff but man are there just not betting opportunities that that occur that we just want to talk about and uh i think uh, i think we have a good one coming up here tomorrow in the podcasting business, we call Josh's lead a swerve or a twist <laughs> or something along those lines. Yes. So for those of you who did not see it on Wednesday at Keeneland, the pick six was not hit for a second consecutive day. So we've got a big, huge carryover going into Thursday, April 20th. It is a holiday on many calendars. And now it's a holiday on the calendar of horse players out there. For what we'll be seeing at Keeneland tomorrow, a two-day carryover in the pick six starts in race number four. It is a $1 minimum wager, and as part of that pre-production meeting, Josh and I went over our tickets, and we are approaching this sequence in very, very, very different ways. But before we get into the sequence, how you doing, man? I'm doing all right. Uh, it's been um, <clears throat> It's been a pretty, pretty crazy time uh, for me uh at least in in work uh i've had a bunch of projects kind of wrap up same time so i'm in that kind of honeymoon phase right now where i had three projects basically wrap up within two weeks of each other and i'm finally able to kind of catch my breath a little bit so don't uh, say been, that too loud they'll throw more work at you oh they will i mean you know we have we have another another big big project coming up um, but I'm just not lead on it, so I'm still going to work on it. But you know, I can back off a little bit. You know, take the next couple of days to catch up on other work because obviously, you know, projects are one thing, but we have day to day work I got to get done as well. But um, yeah, man, it's been it's been nuts. It's been good. To kind of, you know, work's kind of slowing down a little bit. So hopefully, uh, the betting will will get better because i've been getting get killed at keeneland i don't know i don't know about you me, me too man i mean it's it's not been a fruitful keeneland meet to this point um there was a reason that we talked mostly about aqueduct on last week's show and i gotta tell you it's very fortunate that we recorded that show josh when we did because after that show i went down to the star bar which is a karaoke bar in the gas lamp district in san diego and I have about 95% of my voice back. Hmm. Um, the good bars in the city of San Diego decided they needed it for a couple extra days and they've just been sending it back piecemeal. So I'm thankfully in a much better spot right now. But uh, that that night may have featured a 12.30 a.m. performance of a karaoke song that you will literally never, ever, ever guess I would ever do. Girls just want to have fun. No. Um. Uh, oh man, what is that? Uh, I'm trying to think of like songs that people do. Um, I've only been to karaoke once. 
um, and never again. <laughs> so, um, what would you do? Walk This Way by Run DMC. And, no, uh, no, no. Though you don't have the time frame terribly off. It was late 80s, early 90s. No, no, no. Before okay. that, earlier than that. I'm done. That's three guesses. All right, stop what you're doing, because I'm about to ruin the image and the style that you're used to. I look funny, but yo, I'm making money, see? So yo, we're getting ready for me. Now gather round. I'm the new fool in town, and my sound's laid down by the underground. I'll drink up all the Hennessy you got in yourself. So just let me introduce myself. My name is Humpty. Yes, mm. folks, the Humpty Dance by the oh. Digital Underground at 1230 in the morning on a Tuesday. There were well, not many good life decisions that were made inside that karaoke bar on Tuesday night by the people of Katina Media. But love all of those people. There were about 130 of us over three days in San Diego. And we got to do a lot of really cool stuff. Um, there was a Padres game on Thursday night. I came back with a Juan Soto bobblehead that's over there and uh, introduced to my, my our, our friend Beamie right here. So, you know, Beamie's got some company. Um, also, uh, this thing has some company, of course, to the trophy for the Friendlies Mini Golf Invitational with a couple of names that horse racing people might recognize down there on the bottom. Shout out to the Neville's family and to a whole bunch of people whose asses I will once again kick this coming August. But serious note, San Diego is absolutely incredible. I acknowledge that it is possible to have bad days down there, but... I guess I just don't want to believe it because the city is just as awesome as any there are in the continental United States. Shout out to Katina Media for putting on just an absolutely awesome event that a lot of people had a lot of fun in. And in my case, I guess a, a little bit too much because I, I left my voice in a number of different establishments down there. But able to recover. And uh, next week, I'm back on the road again. I fly out on Sunday for a couple of days in a suburb of Atlanta. So that'll be fun. I, you know, I think it's funny that you continue to talk after your karaoke impression because we probably lost all of our viewers and uh, and or listeners after that. See, impression. I don't think we did. I think that may well serve as a marketing tool. And I have an idea <clears throat> for an interesting Kentucky Derby heads up wager that we can talk about off air. That's called foreshadowing, kids. I just know that uh, my friend Bill is going to message me. And he's just going to be like, I really had to power through that. That's that beginning of this. this it's episode. okay. I get messages <laughs> from people like that too, literally all the time. You get used to it, Josh, really. Look, I also me, get texts about you. It's just kind of the funny thing. But uh, Well, I get texts about you too. How you like that? <laughs> um, so, yeah, so we're, uh, I don't know, Andrew. I think we're going to try and catch lightning in a bottle twice here. Since obviously the last time we covered a Keeneland pick six, um, we uh, we 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 nailed it. Uh, unfortunately, well, no, uh, it wasn't a we; it was a you. You nailed it. My God, you really need lessons on how to take credit for the things that you do. I'm going to sit you down and I'm going to have you watch the entirety of my Lord Miles victory lap until you understand it is okay to gloat. I mean, we really nailed it, Andrew. So, um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. This this is a really tough sequence. Um, you know, this is gonna. I think it's gonna take some time to get through. So, why don't we just kind of kind of jump into it here? All righty. Um, <clears throat> starts at race four tomorrow. Looks like post time is gonna be uh, two thirty six local. That's one thirty six central, eleven thirty six 
Pacific. No one cares about mountain time, so we won't even talk about it. Um, and uh, yeah, it starts with a mile and 16th, 30,000 claimer, N2L, on the dirt. Um, Andrew, I feel like the Keeneland dirt has been playing pretty speed favoring. Um, I, I'm not going to say that uh, it's it's a 100% speed bias. I just think that it's it's probably been plus to, uh, to speed. It hasn't been like unbeatable i i would say but uh you know you're uh i think there's a real well you got uh ministerial here at nine to two. Oh, hoku yeah that's your uh your your morning life favorite here the seven horse for kelsey danner i read ortiz jr uh nine to five in the book i will say um i feel like a lot of these lines um they they haven't been close um, I, I don't necessarily know how much of it is is the morning line maker or how much it is just you know they knew money being splashed around um, and and maybe the morning line maker not knowing uh, or not being in the know um, but uh, yeah I, I've kind of I, this key in the meat has been weird you know I, I feel like I haven't had a good grasp on it um, I, I've looked at, I've looked at morning lines and um, thought. You know, hey, this horse is ten to one, and then he goes off as like five to two as the favorite, and it's just like, what the heck? But um, I, I think Hoku's probably probably is going to take uh, take a decent amount of money. I think the nine horse is also um, uh, in here with a, with a big shot. But uh, I'll let you go first here, Andrew. Uh, where did you kind of land here? So big question here. Mm-hmm. What's your favorite Hoku song? I have no idea who Hoku is. Hoku is the daughter of a Hawaiian uh, musician named Don Ho. She was big in the late 90s, early 2000s. She did a song called Perfect Day for the Legally Blonde soundtrack. Please don't ask me how I remember this stuff and never remember why I went into the kitchen five minutes ago. It's a curse. (laughs) Having said that, Hoku takes what can only be considered as a monstrous drop in class. This is a runner that first time out, Broke the maiden by more than two lengths over a next out winner at Tampa Bay Downs going a mile on the turf. Looked like a pretty serious horse. Just hasn't really moved forward figure-wise off of that effort. You see an 82, a couple 81s, and an 82, at least in the speed figures that we're looking at here on the YouTube show. Last time out, runs second, beaten about four lengths against optional claimers. Takes a gigantic drop, not just in for 30, but against non-winners of two life. They're expecting to lose this horse at the claiming box. They're trying to get a win before that happens. I think this is a logical winner, but I don't think Hoku is necessarily a single. With that in mind, one logical and one bomb. The logical is number nine, Jeeper, who comes in from Fairgrounds. I'm a little undecided on Fairgrounds form. I feel like that form hasn't really been franked anywhere else. But another class dropper. You see optional claimers the last two. This horse was probably just in over his head a little bit. Comes down to that 30,000 non-winners of two-life claimer. Big, big drop for connections that know how to win races. Must use based on that. The bomb that I'm using is number four, Yono. And I want you to do me a favor if you're following along in your past performances or if you're watching along here. Just ignore all the synthetic races. Just ignore all of them and go to the dirt races that you see in September and October from last year at Churchill and Keeneland. Those races aren't bad. You see speed figures in the high 70s. You see a 74. You see an 80. 
This horse is absolutely good enough to win this on his best day. I don't know if he's going to be 20 to one. My guess is we'll probably get 10 or 12 to one. But if you're looking for a price to kick things off, do not ignore horse number four in the program. Four, seven, and nine for me to kick things off. I've got a couple of singles later on in the ticket, trying to get there, at least in the early part of things. Hoku, I think, is well meant. Don't necessarily think that one is a single and move on type of favorite, though. Yeah, and, you know, I, I was a little bit surprised by the um, by the price on the Morty line here. Um at least on Brisnet, this horse does not look like an overwhelming favorite. Um, you know, you, you brought out that you mentioned the drop, you know, what was an optional claiming, not in for the tag. There. I read too. I read's yeah. going to move money. I read's going to move money. But yeah, I, I, I agree with you on the nine. I think the nine makes a ton of sense here. Um, and I think, uh, you know, it might, I'm not going to say fly under the radar, but, you know, is probably might not take the money that he should just because. Um, they're going to see the connections, right? You get a Colby Hernandez and and Keith DeSormo, um, which Keith is is a fine trainer, but um, you know, in in the Midwest in Kentucky, he's not necessarily you know, hey, you know, need to bet or anything like that. Um, the other horse I use though uh, is the one tap the candy here for uh, Michael Tomlinson, um, and you know, if you go back, this is a horse that. Uh, took 13 tries to break his maiden. Um, and, you know, that's not necessarily, uh, you know, going to make anybody feel good about, you know, maybe taking a short price on this horse. But um, I, I do believe a little bit in the in the light bulb, you know, and, and maybe the light bulb just flipped on for this horse, you know, one on one near on the lead um, there and uh, at, uh, at Turfway, which wasn't always necessarily easy to do. Uh, at Turfway, um, I, I don't have exact notes on on specifically this day, but um, you know, winning on the lead wasn't wasn't all like there were specific days where you could win on the lead, but it, it wasn't like a, an overwhelming uh, bias or anything like that. Um, and then when I uh, when I pulled up the uh, the optics plot here, shout out to Optics Emily. Um, you know, it it looks like. I think the nine, um, the nine or the one are probably going to be your your leaders here, um, and, and I think the nine is going to be kind of set up pretty good, uh, pretty well for you know staying on or near the lead and, and maybe kicking through. Obviously, the seven also looks really good on the optics plot, so I'm not going to begrudge anybody for um, for using the seven or, or maybe even singling the seven, but uh, I am going to uh, kind of. You know, try and, and fade the uh, what's going to be the probably the likely favorite, um, and use two horses I think are going to be on or near the lead, um, and, and hopefully we get around the uh, the favorite seven here. So I'm just one nine here to start uh, the pick six. Now, just so you all know out there, Josh used the words "I agree" with regard to the nine. We're not going to be saying that a lot in these analyses. Mm -mm. There are a number of legs in which our strategies just completely differ. Yeah, um, I think uh, in leg two, uh, we only have one horse in common. Yep, that sounds about right. Um, and uh, I, I will take up uh, take a quick look here. Uh, we're going to be going five and a half furlongs on the turf. Um, I, I will say some of these turf races were pretty tough to handicap just because of the number of AEs that were in here. In this race, I think we have 16 entered. Uh, but only 12 are going to run. So the 13, 14, 
15 and 16 are AEs in this spot. Um, if the 16 draws in, I think he's kind of a must use. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, Broca's Maiden sprinting on a turf. Her, Saratoga, it's a filler. Her, excuse me. Uh, and, uh, I mean, that's about as good as it gets um, as far as uh, turf sprints go here in uh, in the country. Um, and, you know, didn't uh, didn't embarrass herself uh, in the, was it the Steward Manor or the? Yep, yeah. Yeah, and um, at Aqueduct. So, um, yeah, I, I think the 16 is, is probably, if, if draws in, um, not necessarily a single, but definitely would be one I would use. Um, but of the horses drawn in, <clears throat> you know, I'm using the 11 here, um, Daring Doe for Wesley Ward and uh, Walter Rodriguez. And, you know, I'm, I might have to call the alarm on myself here uh, because this Thank might you. be this might I be a defensive that. type use um, that and I can't find a defensive B uh, banner. But uh, it's that, OK. Anybody that has listened to on the wrong lead knows exactly what you just did to yourself. <clears throat> but um yeah, I, I think uh, the pace figures match up, but we haven't seen this horse uh, sprint on turf yet. Um, so so we are, you know, there's that common handicapping axiom, right? Never take a short price in the horse doing something for the first time. Um, but it's Wesley Ward at, at Keeneland. Uh, he, he tends to know what he's doing when it comes to, to sprinting here at Keeneland. So... Uh, I, I am going to use the 11. Uh, the horse that we have in common is the five, Hideki here, for Ryan Walsh and, and Luis Saez. I mean, Luis Saez is just riding lights out right now at Keeneland. <clears throat> um, you get this horse here who has been aggressively ridden um, past couple times out. Uh, and I think this might just be one that, that might find himself on the lead or close to the lead. Uh, Luis Saez is always one who is able to work out a trip especially in these turf sprints. Um, and then the price I'm going to be using is is the four, Stella Teresa here. Um, you get Declan Cannon aboard, um, and this might be your speed horse, uh, the speed of the speed here. Uh, has gone in four races, 21 flat, or three races, 21 flat, if you go back to June, the June, July, and August races at Indiana Grand and uh, Ellis Park. Um, and, you know, Broke his maiden um, going wire to wire, um, and then went straight into allowance company, uh, and just kind of seemed to maybe be a little bit in over his head or her head. Um, but I don't know uh, this is just me. Hey, taking a chance on a horse that I think is the fastest, the fastest horse early in the race. You're only going five and a half, you know, let's see if this horse can get out there and just go, uh, gets, a, gets who I think is a, a kind of an underrated jock Declan Cannon aboard, um, you know, he, I've seen him have some really, really great rides. I, I both, um, at Turfway, uh, and at other, um, Kentucky tracks. So I'm going to be four, five, 11 here. Andrew, where did you kind of land? I hate the 11 in here. Absolutely positively <clears throat> hate the 11. And you just sort of spelled out some reasons why that 11 horse, if it runs is not going to be five to two, you're looking at eight to five or nine to five. And you're feeling a need to spread even then. I'm going against Daring Do in here. I understand this horse ran reasonably well last time out, but 110 and 3 at, Tur at Turfway Park's not bad. I hated the way that she did it, though. This horse was pleading for the wire late, wound up getting there. If this horse beats me, 
from that far outside post when it hasn't shown it can run on turf first time against winners in a race with other serious early speed signed on, it can beat me doing it and I'll tip my hat and I'll move on. I am going four deep without using daring do in here. You mentioned my top pick and that's actually horse number five in the program coming in off of some races on synthetic. And the thing that I like about horse number five in the program Hideki is a very good form. The last three starts over at uh, Turfway park. And you look really closely and you see a horse that yes, has tactical speed, but doesn't necessarily need the lead in order to run well. I think that's huge. I think she'll be forwardly placed, but she doesn't need to be on the lead if there's a suicidal speed duel happening right in front of her. Luis Saez is an excellent judge of pace. I think he's got a really good shot at sitting that perfect trip just off the speed of the other two horses that you happen to be using. And I think she may very well get first run on the other horses as the field turns for home. The three other horses I'm using, Josh, they're bombs. Let's go up to horse number three in the program, a horse coming in from Horseshoe Indianapolis, who I believe, yep, 30 to one on the morning line. And one of my favorite angles in horse racing is present here with number three, Morning Bluss, the toss two. This is one of the reasons why I like using a bomb in a race like this, because you can throw out both of the last two outings. The race two back at Churchill Downs was on dirt. She's not a dirt horse. It's safe to assume something went wrong because we didn't see her again for another three months. She showed some speed at Turfway Park going 22 to the quarter, probably needed the race. You can make excuses for both of those. And if you look at the two turf races, from Horseshoe, Indianapolis, last summer. Josh, can you highlight the two results there with your wonderful marker for our people on YouTube? You see second beat in the neck, that third place finisher coming back to win, and then you see a win by about a length and a half. This horse has some speed, and I think is a bomb you need to use if you're trying to beat the likely favorite. The other two horses I'm using, down towards the bottom of the program, First, let's take a look at horse number nine in the program coming in from Gulfstream Park. We just went, I think, one race too far. Me, oh, Nope, nope. Josh just went the wrong way. <clears throat> You're going the wrong way. There you go. That's Peach Cobbler, who's seven to two on the morning line, but who I think is going to go up considerably just off of the last out clunker when she was fourth at 11 to one against probably similar kinds of horses. I don't love the fact that she's found trouble as frequently as she has. But Peach Cobbler has shown an ability to find the wire over a variety of different tracks and surfaces. When you get to a meet like Keeneland, you get a lot of shippers and you get a lot of horses that may or may not necessarily like the surface. I see Horseshoe Indianapolis dirt. I see Hawthorne dirt. I see Gulfstream turf. And I see win, win, win. I don't think this horse is going to be seven to two. I think she'll be closer to seven to one. And I think she'll play that in the multi-race exotics. There's another price for you. Go all the way down to the bottom of the main part of the field, past your likely favorite, who I really do not like. And let's take a look at number 12, funny money, honey. Easy for anybody to say. Needed that last out race in a bad way. First start since October, 
but showed a fair bit overseas. You look at some of those running lines, you see a group three, you see a group two, and it's not like she disgraced herself in either of those outings. I think she is incredibly well meant. The post does not scare me. I think she's going to be ready to take a big step forward second off the bench in her second North American start. And I see 15 to one. Sign me up, Josh, with all of the alternatives that are out there. I want no part of the chalk here. No, that's, that's, I mean, that, that's a really good point. And, you know, I, I'm still not entirely sure what, what I'll do um, in this race. Um, you know, like I said, if, if one of these, a couple of these AEs get in, um, that changes the body of the race. It changes it completely. You know, if the 16 um, somehow draws in the 16 is a must use. Yeah. And, and, you know, obviously, um, we had Emily on the show last week. Um, and it's one of the things I do like the most about using a product like optics, which I'm showing now is tomorrow. Once all the, all the scratches get in this whole thing, will update. Okay. So I'll be able to see, all right, who do, who do they think the actual leader is going to be? Here, obviously, right now with all the AEs and everything in there, they still think the 11 or 12 is probably your fastest horse early, but there is a lot of competition there with the 4, the 14, the 13 just sitting just off. You know, it, it, it'll be interesting to see what um, how this kind of looks. Um, one horse that, that was kind of like the last horse I tossed – uh, and I do want to talk about a little bit, and, and like I said, this this could all change tomorrow with with scratches and stuff. Uh, but was the one lost my sock uh, for uh, John Velasquez and and Derek Ryan? Um, I just thought that this was a horse that had run a really really good race here in the Limestone last year, um, and you know seemed to be the best figure that the, that she's run is a tourist, so you know you know wants to. Maybe wants to go a little bit longer. Maybe wants to go a mile. Uh, but um, I, you know, I think their two, their her two best races were going five and a half so far. Um, and uh, like I said, that that ninety two figure three back at Keeneland really pops out. Um, it, it's just going to be hey, how, where, where is this horse going to end up? Right? How much speed is going to get over? Is John Velasquez going to be able to work out a trip pressing from from the the rail? With this, with twelve horses, it, it gets tough. I mean, how many times have you seen Joel Rosario on the rail in a turf sprint, and he just finds nowhere to go? Yeah, you know? the post position is a really big problem with Lost My Sock. If Lost My Sock was breaking just a couple of posts outward, I probably feel much more optimistic. But instead, you have a closer that needs that kind of trip on the rail, having not run since June. Nice horse, but if that one beats me, she beats me. Yeah, and, and one other thing I do want to point out about uh, the five Hideki, which is a horse that you and I both like. Um, three back, had a little baby Z pattern here, ends up coming back to win. And if you look at the race March 30th, we got another little Z pattern here. Uh, checked hard, obviously three-eighths. So might be another one, hey, with, with um, and no disrespect to uh, Mr. Esquivel, but uh, when you get... You go you when you move to Luis Saez, ninety five percent of jocks in in the country going to Luis Saez is, is a upgrade. So, um, if Luis is able to find find a uh, work out a trip here, um, I, I think I think Hideki's gonna I think Hideki's a really really good shot. I mean, 
you know, you, you've you've convinced me once again, and and I think the eleven might be a toss for me. Um, we'll see. Like I said, we'll we'll take a look. We'll we'll see. We'll see who draws in. I did look at your twelve a bit, um, but uh, you know, I, I'm a little less um, less uh, impressed with with what I've seen from uh, Mr. Shemino as of late. Paulo Lobo loves Joe Talmo, and Joe Talmo doesn't get up board here, so I I don't know. Um, it looks like he is named on the thirteen, but I don't know. We'll we'll see. This is definitely one of the races that I think you you got to look for scratches and, and kind of reevaluate there. But. Yeah, and also when you're playing a pick six, you really can't bet them all. It okay. is entirely possible that you can go four deep against what you think is a bad favorite. You're right, and you just don't have the right alternative. That happens when you're playing wagers like this. <laughs> However, Josh. My most likely winner of this sequence comes in race six. Unsurprisingly, it is a horse you are not using at all whatsoever. Yeah, and I think I just kind of took the same approach you took the last race, right? Where, you know, I'm using the, or I I was using the five to two favorite, uh, Wesley Ward, Turf Sprinter. I, I can't use this, this four here, Devil's Tower. Um, and he does look, I mean... The figures fit, right? Um, all the races uh, as of late, he's coming in a three, three race win streak with increasing uh, speed figures. I'm a little concerned when you kind of go back into the horses PPs and look at fast races where he doesn't have a little bit of cut in that ground and and no no moisture in the in the dirt and. They he just looks significantly slower. So, is it just that the horse is rounding in the form? You know, not worrying about the the ground. I'm not sure, but this does see. I mean, you you're stone cold single to this four Devils Tower, um, and, and it's definitely a horse that can win. Um, but I just think like I got to make some, uh, I got to make some business decisions, and uh, my yeah. business decision is fading the four here. I mean. Devil's Tower to me is the most likely winner of this particular race. You see the last three races at Oaklawn. They're all very good. They're all over very good horses. That runner-up last time out has since come back to win. You see a 94 Briz speed figure. Anything close to that, I think, is going to make Devil's Tower very tough. I agree with you that he is better on and off track. The pedigree gives you all the reasons why. Buy into mischief out of a distorted humor mare. That is mud top and bottom. But then you look at some of the races he ran last summer. He won over a fast track at Oaklawn, and two starts later, he won over a fast track at Churchill Downs, going six furlongs in 109 flat. I don't think anybody else in this field can go six furlongs in 109 flat. Devil's Tower's best race crushes this group. His normal race, I think, still beats this group pretty handily. He's seven to five on the morning line. I think he comes down, and I think he should be treated as a free square, single, and move on. Any concern that he hasn't run six and a half? I mean, he's run seven, but when he ran seven, he ran probably his worst race on on the PPs. Not really. Not with the way he's come around. I see that layoff after the race at Horseshoe, Indianapolis, and then I see the race where he was rounding back in form, and now I see he's in form He's going the right way. I'm not concerned about six and a half. I'd have concerns if it was seven or a mile. Six and a half, I think, is well within this horse's scope. Yeah. And if you guys are watching on a video, you saw me cross out 
uh, the the A I had written now next to my man Flintstone. Uh, I, I moved him down a little bit after after. It kind of looks like a campfire next to a tent the way that you did it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I ended up um, on three horses here. I got the two, the three, and the eight. And um, I'm gonna just pull up the optics plot for this race because um, I, I kind of looked, went through and looked through the race, um, and the optics plot kind of. Um, I, I guess once I saw the optics plot, I kind of changed my mind. Uh, optics loves your four. Uh, I, your four is sitting sitting good right in the middle of the plot. Emily um, Gullickson, you're a wonderful, wonderful woman. Uh, is is got the best uh, the best speed figures. Um, you see the little graph over here, and I mean all the bars. It's got all the bars there. Um, there's a couple of red words. Uh, in here where, uh, you know, Emily thought that I uh, got a perfect trip and um, with the race shaping outcome with the weather and the, the way the weather impacted the track, that these last two races were probably setups. Um, but needless to say, probably the fastest horse in the race. Um, I looked at it more from, hey, who is going to get who might get a run before this four? Um, obviously, the eight is probably your likely leader. Uh, that's Tilted Towers, uh, who I am using here for uh, uh, Brittany Vandenberg and uh, Mr. Vandenberg. Um, horses needs to improve, uh, and is basically I think the only way the eight's going to win is if he gets if he gets out there loose on the lead and loan. There's a chance for it, but maybe probably not because I think the two and the three. Um, Summer Splash and Nifty, who are the other horses I'm using in here? I think one of them is going to press the pace, um, and I think, um, especially the two Summer Splash at a nice price at eight to one, might be able to kind of get that run before uh, Devil's Tower and, and maybe hold off Devil's Tower. So eight two three is kind of where I landed here. Uh, Nifty has got a couple of nice races at. Um, at uh, Sam Houston, um, but with the way the Sam Houston meets kind of gone this year, I I don't know what he's what he's been facing. Um, poor Sam Houston, poor poor Sam Houston. But at least on Brisnet, the figures look good. Um, I think the pace setup's going to be there. You get Ray Lu Gutierrez. Um, you know he's he's been kind of cool to start the the meet, but coming off that. Um, Winning the fairgrounds meet, uh, leading rider there, uh, hooking up with Brett Calhoun, who he rides for all the time. So, uh, I thought the three made a, bit, a bunch of sense here. Um, the two, I think, is going to be a really, really nice price here, uh, coming into Andrew McKeever's barn for the first time. Um, and he's small sample size. He's one for three, first off the claim. You know who knows, right? That's too small a sample size for anything. Came up as a plus stat, but. Um, yeah, I, I think that the two, three, and eight, try and get around this four. Obviously, Andrew, you're taking the exact opposite approach. You're singling the four. Um, so at this point, um, we uh, we part ways. The five, the one thing I will say about the five, if one or two of these speed horses scratch out for some reason, I think you got to use the five because the five, if you go back to, to that Churchill down race, um, I mean, is definitely got 
the speed and has definitely got the ability to to throw figure that I think is very competitive here. He's got two nice races here at Keeneland. If you go back to uh, or, or to either early 2022 or 2021, um, so has a couple runs over the surface. Has been working well. Interesting horse, twelve to one. Um, I, I just, I, like I said, I, I, you can't use them all. Playing a dollar pick six, um, and so he was kind of what my last cut in this race. So, I'm looking at my man Flintstone Josh, and I don't see it. I see O for three this year. I see O for eight in 2022. I think he likes running around with his friends. I don't think he likes winning, and I hate betting those horses. Hey, you said that you don't like what? What do you say? The toss two. Yeah. Okay. What about a toss 32? You know? Just, why not, right? I don't know. I'm still trying to get over the campfire drawing you got going there. Is that a I, I see the fire? Is that supposed to be a s'more that we're that we're yeah. making there? Yeah, it's okay. a s'more. So this is like know, a Rorschach test for those of you that if there's a lot of much. scratches with the matches that make the fire, then you use him. That's what that is. You'd need to scratch at least half the field, and then I'd think about it. <laughs> Uh, race seven, which is another race where you and I just are not anywhere close, and, and not the, at all whatsoever. And I, I'm going to be, in fairness, uh, Andrew, I will say that I got, I got very thin here, um, and it really, like I said, this is another race that is dependent on where the AEs go because I do have an AE written down here in the fourteen. The fourteen doesn't draw in. There, there's a number of different ways I can go. So, but um, yeah, talk to me about your horses here. You got four written down. My top pick is 15 to one on the morning line. And I think we're going to get that price come post time. That's number nine, El Kabong. And El Kabong has been running on the synthetic track, a turf way, not running particularly well. You see two races that just represent a little bit of a downturn, but this horse loves Keeneland. The two starts at Keeneland, a win and a third. And this horse got pretty good around this time last year. One here at Keeneland, then rallied to win an optional claimer at Churchill Downs. They shipped this horse up to Horseshoe, Indianapolis for a $100,000 stakes race in July. Safe to assume something went wrong that day. We didn't see him again until the winter. Rusty Arnold targets this meet every single year. I think there's enough speed in here to set things up for what this horse wants to do. And at 15 to one, he hits me as a must use with the wind rider, Corey Lannery from last spring and summer back aboard. I think El Cabong is a very scary horse to use at a price. If you're taking a stance against some of the favorites in this particular race, look, I'm going four deep in this particular endeavor. I don't have an overly strong feeling about the ability of pretty much anything in here. I'm looking at this race and your morning line favorite is number seven, good governance. That's a reluctant use for me simply because maybe there's a chance he just didn't like Gulfstream Park the last three starts. And he had been running against much better horses, though the American turf division this year at the top end is just nowhere near as sharp as it probably should be. But I see races from 2022. I see a win at Saratoga. I see a second at Aqueduct. I see a fourth in a stakes race at Monmouth. I see a win at Tampa. There is back form in here using that horse, but I don't think is a horse you can overly rely on at a very short price. Horse number four is Tiberius Mercurius, and 
Can I help you? That that was for using the seven. Sorry, I was just late on getting to the button. Okay. Well, I'm just saying you need to give me a little bit of warning and a little <laughs> bit of heads up here. Uh, Tiberius Mercurius is an interesting case because Mike Maker came back and claimed this horse off of Larry Ravelli. And yes, it is at this point, you must pause this podcast, go over to YouTube, find the Larry Ravelli commercial from 2010, press play, and come back to us in a minute and five seconds. Okay, welcome back. Now, Tiberius Mercurius last time out had an absolute dream trip going a mile and a quarter at Turfway Park, but has a lot of form on turf in the past. And Mike Maker... When he gets an older turf horse on the right track, they tend to stay there. Arad Ortiz Jr. likely had plenty of options in this field. This is where he lands. Have to use that one. Also going to use number two, Kapuna, who has never tried turf before, but he's by hard spun out of a Malibu moon mare. Josh, that's turf top and bottom. If this horse can take the turf at all, he stands a big, big chance in this spot. There's some back class here too. You look at the races he ran last year as a three-year-old, you see some very familiar names. You see Cyberknife. You see Epicenter. This is a nice horse, and this is a good spot to potentially try turf. Two, four, seven, and nine for me in here. If El Cabong winds up winning, regardless of anything else that happens, it's a good day for yours truly. Yeah, um, and if you look at my notes here on the PPs, uh, the four as well as the 10 are kind of, once again, these are kind of my last cuts in this race. I went through, I handicapped this and I ended up with like a 200 and something dollar ticket. <laughs> and one, once that happens, it's like, all right, like, where do you cut? If we're going to, if we're going to try and get into something playable, like we need to, we need to start making cuts. Um, so if my 14 doesn't draw in, those are two horses I'm probably looking to use. Um, once again, Pace-wise, I'm looking at, you know, as horses scratch, I'm, I'm looking at the updated optics plot. I'm, I'm trying to get a good picture of, of what the pace is going to look like. Um, hey, Josh, you know what we need to do? Hmm. We need to do more evergreen content. We need to do more content that people can come back to weeks, months, maybe even years from now. I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but I think that could really help us. Why did you say that at this point? Just to be a pain in the ass. Love you, buddy. Um, but uh, yeah, we. So obviously, I'll go. I'll start with the fourteen here um, in vintage print here for Paulo Lobo and, and Joe Talmo. For those said, of you, by the way, not watching the YouTube broadcast, the look that Josh shot me can only be summarized by if you're a fan of The Office, the GIF where Steve Carell goes, "Why are you the way that you are?" <laughs> It's also important to note that we record this at about 11 p.m. midnight my time. So I'm usually already like at the end of my rope. And you just you just squeeze and pull sometimes. Man, after this, I've got a handicap Friday at Aqueduct. I'm yeah. just saying, I'm just getting started. You're my warm-up act. <laughs> um, I think the 14 vintage print here uh is, is pretty well meant. Uh Paulo Lobo, um, you know, he always does well at, at these Kentucky meets, especially Keeneland, Turfway. Uh, gets his uh, his favorite rider, and I wish somebody loved me like Paulo Lobo loves Joe Talmo. <laughs> um, and, 
So it gets Joe Talamo aboard here. Um, horse has run pretty decent numbers at Keeneland, um, you know, including uh, a, a nice fourth in the all-ounce race last time out. Um, but, you know, I, I just think that this horse, you know, has got some a bit of back class, right, has has run fourth in the grade two out in Del Mar. Um, you know, the Mint Million, it's at Kentucky Downs. That is just its own its own thing it's but, a two million dollar race now josh you see that kentucky downs came out with their thing for the fall. yeah they had that a race takeout they had a race takeout in order to uh to raise that extra million dollars hey, or whatever money's got to come from somewhere uh but if you kind of once again uh referencing the the good old optics plot um the 14 sits a nice big old square right there in the middle um and, and it's got some really really nice speed figures um but interestingly, yeah, there's a little eleven up here, just kind of just chilling, just kind of doing his own thing. Uh, and uh, on the the surface distance plot, sits real close to where the fourteen is, right? So I just think that these are two horses that are kind of just gonna sit, you know, sit mid pack and, and have a bit of a kick. They're they're decent sized squares, um, so I, I like where the eleven fourteen are. Obviously, um, the two horses that I kind of, if the 14 doesn't draw in, um, and depending on how the pace looks, um, the four is definitely one I'm looking at, uh, Tiberius Mercurius. Um, I, I think this is probably going to be your leader. And once again, a horse, even on turf, left on the lead by himself is always dangerous. Mike Maker does nothing but just turn horses into turf routers. Um, so I, I think he, he might be very dangerous in here. Kapuna is also very dangerous, especially if you're looking at the plot. Um, obviously, it does not show up on a surface distance because it hasn't tried the turf yet. So, if you think this is a horse that might take to the turf, it's a big old square there in in, uh, in the front. So that that's definitely a, a horse that is going to be pretty dangerous. Um, and then the other horse that I did kind of like here a little bit was the Ten Fenwick Station, um, and that might just be maybe it's just PTSD. From just getting boomed by Luis Saez constantly, um, but you know, obviously, you throw out that last race and you go back to look at the Keeneland race. He had his best race running at Keeneland, obviously going a little bit longer, and and Luis Saez just put them to sleep and you know won on the front end. But hey, maybe he does it again here. I don't know. Um, so I thought the ten at eight to one was definitely definitely worth a look. But looking at the way the sequences played out. You know, I, I had to make tough decisions. So the four and a 10 were kind of my last cuts in this race uh, for the ticket that I'm going to give here. But obviously, they might be they might be horses that end up on my ticket, depending on scratches and stuff. So, yeah, Fenwick Station's two back race jumped off the form at me, too. You see Saez coming back on for a guy in Eddie Keneally that knows how to get a horse ready to run a Keeneland second off the bench. If this race was longer, Fenwick Station would absolutely be on my ticket. I just think he wants to go even longer than this mile and a 16th distance. If this yeah. was a mile and a quarter, mile and a half, Fenwick Station would be a must use. But I see a horse that two back ran very well, but got a perfect trip in doing it. There's other speed in this particular race. I think that's a good toss on your part. Yeah. And, and I think that, um, you know, I, I only briefly talked about the 11, but I think the 11 is the opposite of what you've kind of were talking about with the, uh, the 10. I think the 11 has been put into races that are just going too far for what he wants to go. 
Um, so I think the cut back on the 11 is, is actually is going to be very, very, uh, very, very helpful. The so, 11 was the last horse I threw out. You look at the overseas form. That's not a typo. This is a group one horse. This is a horse that went out in the Epsom Derby, known as the Kazoo Derby overseas, and was 28 to one in a big field. Somebody thought that horse could run a little bit. They shipped that horse over here, runs up against classic Causeway, runs up against Nation's Pride, Annapolis, really good horses. That was a tough toss for me. I just see a horse that hasn't run since September. Graham Motion can ease his horses back in a little bit. This isn't the goal for this horse, but throw this horse into your stable mail as one to potentially watch this summer because Graham Motion has a history of being sneaky and turning horses like these into graded stakes winners. Yeah, so I landed on 11 and 14 as kind of my top picks in this race. Uh, 4 and 10, obviously the 14 doesn't draw in, and we'll see, like I said, how other things play out with uh, with the pace. But uh, yeah, let's, uh, let's move on here. Got... All right, I take no pleasure in saying this with race number eight. Mm-hmm. Um, I have gone on record as saying it is an absolutely horrible practice to just bash morning line people because they, it is a thankless job. They get no praise for it when they're right by most people. And generally speaking, they're doing multiple jobs over the course of a meet. This morning line is wrong. It's just wrong. And it's wrong from the get-go. You see number one Vittorio for Bill Mott and you see six to five. Okay. Drops out of a grade three. All right. This horse hasn't won since December of 2021 and goes in a race that is overnight stakes quality. I don't think he's going to be six to five. It wouldn't shock me if he wasn't favored in this particular race. I'm against Vittorio here at any rate. I'm going too deep. And my top pick is number four war campaign, a horse that has run a surprising amount of very consistent races. If you wind up looking at whatever speed figure of choice you happen to subscribe to. But if you look, if you use Briz, you see on dirt, I am completely and totally throwing out that last out effort at Turfway. I think that was just a tightener. 92, 93, 97, 95, 94. You know what you're getting with War Campaign. You're getting a horse that Corey Lannery knows very, very well. A horse that has a little bit of a kick but seemed to get some tactical speed as last year went on. They saw fit to try this horse in a couple of stakes races against horses like Rattle and Roll, who was a very nice runner. Wound up running second to that one in the St. Louis Derby. Uh, This is a nice horse that's been working very well, second off the bench for Phil Sims. Lannery, as mentioned, stays on. He is my top selection. The reason that I said this morning line was so cataclysmically wrong Number seven creative minister, Josh, is 15 to one on the morning line. He might not go off a third of that. And I don't know what was going on. I don't know what was happening when this morning line was getting made. But this is a horse that was third in last year's Preakness, has danced a lot of big dances, ran fourth in a highly regarded optional claimer in his seasonal debut that was won by Smile Happy, who ran second in last year's Bluegrass. Creative Minister is absolutely a win candidate here. Those last couple of works indicate that Ken McPeak has him tightened up really, really well. 
four seven for me. And if you think you're getting the 15 to one on creative minister, you're probably wrong. Well, if you're picking creative minister to win, you're probably wrong. That's harsh. <laughs> Once again, what did that horse ever do to you? <laughs> Nothing, actually. Uh, I thought I thought he was actually interesting in this spot, but I kind of agree with you. I don't. I don't think you're going to get that price. Not even um, close. Having said that, if you're playing a stable duel or something where it's based off of the morning line, yes, creative minister is a must use. But also, ninety percent of the people in your pool are going to have creative minister. So you've got to outweigh the risk of using the cheap horse versus that cheap horse being super obvious. Yeah. Um, either way, I, I have two horses here. I, I actually like the one in this spot. I know you kind of, you kind of bashed him a little bit. And, and, and like I said, maybe, maybe the, the morning line is wrong. Um, but I, I just think inside drawn speed, um, I, I think it's just going to be, it's, just, it's always powerful. And especially at Keeneland, uh, you get Irad riding for Bill Mott. I mean, we'll see what kind of price you get on here, but obviously horizontally, you know, you're, you're trying to get through. Um, so I've, I've avoided favorites in other races here. I'll use the one, uh, Vittorio, um, you know, I, I think the speed figures match. I think the pace, uh, pace scenario is going to be, um, is going to be a plus for him. Um, there, there's not really any type of, you know, need the lead type horses in here, but, my topic might be the eight curbstone here. Uh, Tom Morley uh, sees fit to ship this horse over. You get Flo Giroux to ride. Um, and I mean, this horse is good enough that even Madison Olver was able to get it to win twice on this horse. So obviously this has got to be some type of super horse here. Um, but uh, yeah, I, you know, Madison obviously rode two nice wins um, at Aqueduct going a mile and the eighth. Um, uh, ran a second in another allowance race. Dropped an optional claiming. Manny Franco took the mount and, you know, was able to show a bit of the horse's versatility there where doesn't necessarily need the lead. Obviously wants to be forwardly placed. Um, and, and sitting in the eighth uh, in the eight hole is probably gonna, not going to get the lead, um, especially with a, a jock like Flo Giroux um, up. You know, he, he's more than happy to let let everyone else go in front of him. So... Um, hoping the horse gets gets ridden somewhat aggressively doesn't necessarily need to lead, uh, but I, this horse has got the best figures in the field. Um, maybe Creative Minister's got something that might be a little bit faster, but um, you know, I, I always have a little bit of um, skepticism with some of the three year old numbers uh, in the. You know, triple crown horses that run third, fourth, or or that run in in three year old stakes races. You know, sometimes I just feel like those numbers they end up getting pumped up just because it's 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 a stakes race. So it's like, oh, let's, let's dress the number up a little bit. So, um, I don't know. I I think that this horse is super live, six to one. Might get lost on the board a little bit. Um, so I mean, I, and hey, maybe I'm completely wrong. Maybe this horse, you know, takes a ton of money, but um. Just took taking a look at the quick quick look at the optics plot. I mean, that eight's way out there, kind of all alone there. Might get loose on the lead. Um, I I think the one's going to show a little bit of speed. Is inside drawn, so that's kind of why I use the one as well. But um, I I think the eight's at six to one is an overlay. So we'll we'll see what kind of price we get on the eight here. But one eight's all I'm using here. 
Aqueduct is a very, very, very quirky surface. There are some tracks where aqueduct form translates to and some tracks where it definitely doesn't. As far as Keeneland, the jury is sort of out. If Curbstone brings that aqueduct form to Keeneland, I think he's got a chance. I don't think the fields he's been running against are nearly as good as the one he's going to tackle here. But by the same token, that's why you're probably going to get six to one. This is the one horse that I think the morning line does have dead right. And if it turns out Curbstone is well meant and wins this race, you're probably not going to get six to one on him ever again in the near future. So I get where you're going there. I just am not sure if what we've seen at Aqueduct from him the last couple of starts is the true article. I do know some one person who's just going to completely unload on this horse, though. Who's that? Mr. Mark Capitan. And why is that? Let's, let's he has just, just got he has just got a man crush on Tom Morley. Oh, there you go. He's got okay. just a and, and I know. Well, this in is, fairness, he was one of the first guys that was on the wait. Tom Morley and Javier Castellano are winning everything train last summer at Saratoga, and he wound up riding that for a couple of weeks. Yeah, but that was also Flying P. Was it Flying P stable, stable or whatever, right? That's his, the he was one paper. of the owners that was involved, but it was a Morley Castellano thing more than an owner thing. Like I said, Madison will very one on this horse. So, I mean, I, 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 Andrew, I think you could get up there. No. And, and be the uh, – you can be the new trivia question. It's not Deshaun Parker, but it's Andrew Champagne who's the tallest jockey. Well, I don't know. Joey O'Brien, when he was riding uh, Declaration of War in the Breeders' Cup Classic, uh, that's uh, that, that that threatens that for sure. And also, if I was to get on, there would be a, a late equipment change and uh, Curbstone would be not just 120 pounds he's carrying, but about 120 pounds overweight once you consider <laughs> all the tack and stuff. All right, Andrew, you got a single to close this out. Yeah. Talk to me about, talk to me about your single here. If Just So doesn't win the finale, I don't know who does. Uh, Just So debuted going two turns, which is not an easy thing for any horse to do. For Chad Brown, who has phenomenal numbers, but is just good with first-time starters. His first-time starters sometimes need a race to get going. And this one may have moved a little bit early on the synthetic track at Gulfstream. Still ran a pretty good second. Here, gets the turf. Gets Joel Rosario, who of course rides a lot for Chad Brown, and I think is eligible to move forward in a big, big way by Justify out of a congrats mayor. Good turf pedigree on that one, I think. I like the recent workouts. Chad doesn't work his horses particularly quick for no reason. So when I see the last outwork of four furlongs and 48 flat, sixth fastest of 74 at the distance, I think Just So is ready to run. That's my single here. If that horse doesn't win, Josh, there are six or seven horses that might be able to win here. So I just figured let it ride with the top pick. He's probably going to be shorter than that seven to two morning line price just because of the connections and the pedigree that's involved and the fact that that last out race was pretty good. But to me, most likely winner in this particular spot. And my objective for this ticket was put together something at under $100. Singling just so gets us in at 96 and i again think he's the most likely winner by a considerable amount so not going to get cute horse number eight and race number nine yeah i um i went a different route here uh shocker 
I went with the 10, actually, Cyber Ninja, who who is the morning line favorite. I don't uh, think he'll go off favorite. I think the chat is going to go favorite here. Yeah. Uh, for Bill Mott here. Um, and, you know, the horse ran just a really, really nice figure last time out. Um, and I think, obviously, Bill Mott tends to imp uh, improve his horses as time goes on. A uh, little concerning that he's only 7% first time on grass, uh, probably because he usually starts his horses, his turf horses on turf, um, but uh, obviously started this one on dirt. Um, so I was a little, um, maybe a little concerned about that, but uh, I ended up using a horse just outside of him as well, the 11 horse, Gold Franck, um, for Kenny McPeak and Brian Hernandez Jr. Um, in the limited sample size, the... Sire here for uh, for this horse, uh, Zorak, uh, is actually 24% first time out. Um, and so I'm guessing it's it's probably like a sample of like maybe like 20 starts or something like that. It can't be that many. Um, but it is definitely just, you know, bred for the, the turf, bred the win early from what it looks like. Has been working really well at Keeneland. Um, you know, had some bullet three, uh, three furlong works. Uh, you know, back in March, and they've just kind of been progressing the horse, stretching it out. Um, so I, I think this horse is going to be very well prepped to go a mile. Um, I'd be interested to see, to go back and look at uh, tomorrow's in uh, in today report um, and, and see if the clockers have any notes on on this horse's uh, works. But was just kind of a pedigree play. Um, you know, Kenny McPeak is, is usually got some really, really live ones here. Um, so uh, 20 to 1, hey, why not? Let's toss it in. Let's see if we get uh, some fireworks here at the end. But I also like the 10 here, Cyber Ninja as well. Yeah, I can understand the flyer on Gold Frank because while Kenny McPeak's first-time starters tend to need a race or two to get going, you take a look at those debut turf numbers – and those numbers are, are better by enough to make you turn your head. That pedigree, it's all European turf pedigree. You see a grandson of Dubawi, it gets your attention. You see Invisible Spirit on the bottom side, that's a pretty good influence as well. And you also see that sale price back in 2021 of about $118,000. Someone thinks this horse can run. The post position is what scares me more than anything else. Going two turns, first time out is a tough thing to do, and you draw post 11, that gives me a little bit of pause. But in my position, where I like the Chad Brown horse, Gold Frank is a horse I'd throw in underneath at a price, because if that horse runs second or third in behind him, I want to make money. Yeah. So, uh, Andrew, I got your ticket up here. Uh, it's a $96 ticket for, uh, for a buck, which is what uh, – Keeneland's uh, bases. Uh, you got yeah. the four seven nine with the three five nine twelve. Single the four and leg three. You got two four seven nine, four seven, and single the eight in the last leg there for ninety six bucks. Yeah, and again, the goal for me was to put together a ticket that was under a hundred dollars. We did that. I'm never going to be somebody that spends hundreds of dollars on a pick six ticket. That's just not my game. This particular ticket, though, I'm leaning on my two best bets and hopefully getting a price or two home elsewhere in the sequence in order to make it pay a little bit with that gigantic pool. And no shock to anybody that regularly follows this uh, show, Josh's ticket looks much different than mine. 
Yeah, and uh, as it stands, is a hundred and forty-four dollar play. Um, probably about the maximum I would toss into the sequence, like just what I'm comfortable with. Um, yeah. and that's one nine with four five eleven, with two three eight, with eleven fourteen, with one eight, with ten eleven. And uh, yeah, if I have time tomorrow, um, it, it just depends on my work schedule. Uh, I'll I'll post something uh, maybe after, um, after after everything scratches out, whatever I end up playing. Um, if you guys want to follow along, but um, yeah, it, it, it's a tough sequence. I think it's definitely going to pay. Um, and uh, you know, who knows? We might have to do an emergency podcast for uh, for Friday's carryover if, if things get wonky tomorrow. So. If that's um, the case, you're gonna to need to wait until I get back from my Thursday night bowling. Oh, room. that's right. Yeah, you got you got bowling tomorrow. Yes, um, I do. And as, as per usual, we'll be live Thursday. Oh, there night. you go. Yeah, we'll be live Thursday night. So yeah, then maybe maybe we'll we'll switch. Uh, we're just gonna to touch on uh, all the graded stakes this weekend. Um, kind of bounce around. Oakland's got a couple, or I know they got that Oakland handicap. San Anita's got a couple. Keeneland's got a couple. So we'll kind of look at the three the three big tracks running and. Uh, Maybe talk a little derby. I don't know. We'll we'll see what's going on there. But uh, Andrew, what do you got going on this week? Well, I'm flying to Atlanta on Sunday morning. Uh, flight leaves bright and early from San Francisco Airport. The flight's east. That's where it gets me as far as the time change goes because you've got to leave earlier since they're three hours ahead. I've got a work thing Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, back late Wednesday night. So another nice quick trip. Really hoping that uh, this one is a little less eventful when I get back. Josh, did I tell you about the trick my cat learned? No. Okay, so I got back from San Diego on Friday, and I left on Tuesday, left my cat with, you know, full food, water, clean litter box, whatever. Great. I come back, and I'm expecting my cat in the living room waiting for me because that's where he usually is when he hears me coming. I open the door. There's no cat. Nothing. I'm going, Elliot, what's going on here? And I hear this muffled meow coming from behind a door. My cat, who turns 12 years old in August, has taught himself a new trick. In addition to opening my bedroom door, he found a way to close it on himself. <laughs> yeah, that was a good cardio workout for me on Friday, uh, to the point where I went to my trusty Amazon account found some of those portable door locks that you can install just to, you know, for additional security, depending on which way your door goes in or out. And I will be installing those so my cat doesn't do the same thing twice. He had not been in there for very long. His food and his water had clearly been significantly dented. So it's not like he was in there for a while. But when that's the first thing you see coming home from a couple days away, that's trippy, man. That's why you don't have pets. Hey, you know... Love my cat very, very much. He's usually very low maintenance, but the lesson is always, kids, cats are jerks. <laughs> well, that's going to do it for us. Obviously, check us out at ontherongleed.com, at wrong underscore lead on Twitter. Hit all the buttons. Hit all like, the buttons. Like, subscribe. Yep, hit them all. Um, and, uh, yeah, well, I think next week we might need to alter our normal date. I don't remember. You're traveling a ton. So yeah, like I'm flying back on Wednesday, and I'm probably not going to be available at night, so we'll see. We'll figure yeah. something out. We'll figure something out, or, or I'll get uh, I'll, I'll tag someone in, but uh, yeah. Mm -hmm.
You okay, thought you played the Vegas music, didn't you? Pump out. It's okay. Right. Mimi likes the pump out. All right. We'll catch you guys later.